Before we jump into this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we shared this conversation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In the interest, we are so excited for your upcoming production, Boomy, and even more excited to be doing a full-length episode with you after the show to unpack some of the bigger themes explored in your collaborative event. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. How are the rehearsals and the prep going for it? We have had a really enjoyable engagement with each other, I mm. think, over this particular production it's a very new experience i think for all of us but in some ways i think i'm not out of line when i say it feels really familiar mm. to us mm. so it's been a really enjoyable process mm. you know because it's an hour and a half but that includes a panel discussion it's not a highly curated formal performance so i think the rehearsals are really relaxed and they involve food and they involve conversation and a lot of fun. Absolutely, mm. and we're looking forward to hearing more about that. But before we jump in, I'd love if you could share with our audience a little bit about who you both are individually and your creative backgrounds as well. So my name's Tristan Field. I'm a First Nations person and also I'm Sri Lankan on my mother's side. My First Nations mob come from the south coast of New South Wales, the Wabunja people, which goes right into... Bidjigal country as well, which is South Sydney, La Perouse area, and extent to we have uh, connections into a lot of the Sydney-based family groups as well, being one of the first five families that did exist in Sydney. And so I also like to acknowledge my traditional custodians and my traditional owners and also acknowledge your spirits and where you might come from as well, because I think that's very important that we are talking about where everyone comes from as well. So with my acknowledgements, I'd like to extend my acknowledgements onto everyone else because it's our spirits that bring us here to also maintain and create these stories together. And basically, I'm a musician, I'm a composer, writer, spoken word artist. So I wear a lot of hats. So yeah, so that's just a bit about me. Yeah, I love that. That's, I guess, the sign of a true creator, right? Being able to dabble with a bunch of different art forms and create different mm. art as well. Yeah. Indoka? Um, Thanks. And then my name's Indu Balachandran. I am Indian Tamil Australian. I was born in Chennai and I moved here when I was 11. I play the veena, which is a South Indian string instrument, and I learned that from my mother from when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I suppose I played it as a family, community, cultural practice, as many of us do. We all learn something when we're little. And mm-hmm. my professional life has been largely in the social purpose, nonprofit sector, in management and enterprise. In my 30s, I worked for an arts organisation that did a lot of work in community and cultural development. And the work of that organisation in Parramatta was to unearth stories and arts in communities whose voices are not really heard. And and I suppose it kind of got me into the idea of producing work using my own creative practice and my arts practice that is located in Australia and of Australia. And since then, I started to really think about the Vena and its place in stories and in the arts sector in Australia. Mm. So the last 15, 20 years, I've probably been more actively performing, producing work more actively. 
And we've loved that we've seen you perform in a mm-hmm. bunch of different events with people we've collaborated with on the podcast as well, with Shakti's play Jungle in the Sea and the Behind Closed Doors event. So it's cool to see you yeah. lead this production in your own right. I'm curious because this production is obviously a collaborative effort between South Asians as well as First Nations people. How did the idea for Boomi come about and how did you both get involved? Is this the first time you guys are collaborating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Boomi is first iteration was actually in 2019. Oh, okay. I work a lot with a singer called Arjunan Vindran who moved here from Melbourne and we really wanted to make work that is steeped in Carnatic tradition. Both of us are trained I suppose in kind of more old style ways of training and we have a kind of a reverence and respect for that but at the same time we wanted to have meaning in contemporary life for our children and their children's children in Australia. So um, we produced a work called Bhumi Woman and Earth in 2019, and it was really about exploring the feminine and our understanding of the feminine and our own mythologies and our reinterpretations of some of them, and also acknowledging that we're in a different place. And it was kind of the beginning of our our own sensibilities and sense-making of being on Aboriginal lands. The second iteration was in 2021 when um, we were invited by Wesley Enoch, who was the director of the Sydney Festival, to produce a work. And we chose to do a work on Pongal, which is the harvest day. Mm. And harvest is so intimately tied to cycles of land. We invited Uncle Bruce Pascoe to write a spoken piece for the performance. And we then built a program exploring harvest and place and our own connections to multiple homelands in that performance. And then I suppose this is the third iteration. I called it Bhumi Place and Belonging, and it came about because I met Ella Havelka. We're part of a global fellowship program in Australia. It centres Indigenous knowledges, and she's a dancer. And, you know, through our fellowship, we talked about being diasporic, actually, which was a surprise to me that Ella, whose Viradjuri thought of herself as diasporic in mm-hmm. Sydney on Camaragal land where she lives. And over the years, we talked about doing something together probably three years ago and the right time came about. There's an Aboriginal festival that runs in our area and it was an opportunity, I suppose, to genuinely walk alongside First Nations friends and colleagues and artists, because I think all this work is personal, actually. And to think about what it means to belong and to think about it together, but also, I suppose, to observe and learn from each other. And then Ella brought in Tristan and she brought in another dancer called Audrey. And then, of course, Shankri Chandran is an author who mm-hmm. came on to do some work as part of this piece as well. So I suppose. It's an ongoing exploration of Bhumi, which is earth in Sanskrit, but of place, which occupies a significant component of my work as an artist and my creative work. I'm really interested in kind of making sense of place. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I feel like Ella's really the creative spirit that's really brought us together as well. And I've worked with Ella for the past three years now. Uh, she contacted me to work on her first kind of kid stories, taking Wiradjuri stories for the Australian Ballet's Education and Outreach Program, mm-hmm. and they take that to schools across Australia. 
and we've worked on other projects there since then and it's just been a snowball effect and which has led us to this beautiful moment that we can share with everyone as well. I think what really hits home for me as well is that I walk in those two worlds of being First Nations and being from South Asia as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I used to think of it as like what hat am I going to wear today? It's more so I, I am this person, this is who I represent myself as. Mm-hmm. You know, those are my cultures, those are my groundings, those are my strengths. What adds into this as well is that Ella and I were working on a project together called Mother's Tongue. And without giving too much away, it's a lot of perception and our perspectives of how we can see breathing as water and what the flow of that is as well. Both we have our own water stories. Ella's a more fresh water, minor salt water, and that's very important to me and my people down this way. But then also how we can bring this story into this whole massive collaborative piece of, you know, so many influences that for me also sounds so familiar. It's like mm-hmm. very familiar to me as well. And having conversation with Ella and Audrey is that the nature of what we're doing is also very organic. And the part of what we're doing together is that we are all telling a story to invite people in, not to tell them directly, but also let them be a part of the story. And I was saying this to Indu the other day, I was, I was saying that we are responsible and we have a duty of care as storytellers to be able to bring our expressions, our creativities, our stories and our histories for other people to be a part of in whatever way. Our people have been doing that for 60,000 years and there's a lot of cultures that have been doing that and what we're doing is applying traditional ways of storytelling into a contemporary setting Mm. and I feel like we do that without talking it up too much, but I really do feel like we do that so beautiful as a group. Yeah. It really does feel like a symbiotic relationships that we have with each other. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Tristan, was it the fact that sort of your two worlds were colliding in a really beautiful way in this particular production that drew you to want to work on it? Absolutely. I feel that it is not even the responsibility, but just the amount of fun I would have as well as a creative, as a cultural person from, you know, a strong Sri Lankan family and a strong First Nations family to do something like this. Mm. And it's something I've always wanted to do. And I always knew something was going to come up. I feel like it was going to just kind of happen at some point, whether I make it happen Mm. or just something. Just I'm very big on spirits being able to draw people together and different energy will lead us to where we want to go. Mm. That's why the feelings of, you know, how natural it feels and how organic this process has been is because it's just a dream that you have as a kid. I never thought that I was different from where I was mm. until people told me that. But I've never really listened to anyone's perception of me that well. So I've always kind of just been like, no, I identify myself how I want to be. And in that sort of regard, that's where this has just felt like a home feeling. You know, mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, and something you you said before that I think resonates really well is the fact that you've taken these stories and put it in a contemporary context. And we've mm. talked about this in the podcast before, where it does need to take 
those kinds of contemporary forms sometimes as well to resonate and relate to younger audiences because you want to make sure these stories are continued to be passed Mm. on for everyone to come really and Mm. I love that you guys have done that with this show what's been the creative process or the research process when it's come to Boomi? When I think of this particular um, performance compared to previous versions of Bhumi, I must say the thing that makes it distinctive is a huge part of it is not about producing Mm. and it's not about proactively creating. I feel like it has taken years for it to emerge and it has emerged with just intent. Mm. I think a large part of it has to spend time understanding each other and getting to know who we are, getting to know what matters to us in our kind of creative and arts practice, but also in our lives. Mm. Because the nice thing about this process is it feels like a shared expression of lived culture it doesn't Mm. feel like a performance and I think that's really really important so it's been just a process of spending time with each other and being with each other and actually enabling things to emerge and I've had to kind of sometimes be a little different which is not try and get to an outcome when we're doing work or rehearsing Mm. but just letting people respond to each other yeah. and each other's yeah. stories and what we're seeing and hearing of our cultural practices as they're being expressed in that moment. It's a becoming rather than a performance, I think. And I think this time around is a, is a journey for all of us. And what we want to do really is make that journey transparent mm-hmm. when we front up in front of, you know, the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's probably my explanation of the creative or research process does that make sense yeah for sure one thing i find really fascinating is the similarities that we can find across cultures so mm. earlier in the episode i referred to you as indu akka akka being a term for older sister because mm. in our culture firstly it's a sign of respect but i also see you as family right even though yeah. we might not be blood related being from the same ancestors, being from the same lands. Mm. And for older brother, we would say Anna. My dad actually went on a trip with a couple of his colleagues a few years ago to have conversations with First Nations people in some parts of rural New South Wales. And he was saying that he overheard a conversation between a couple of people from the same mob who used that similar language I found that so fascinating because Mm. the fact that we have the same, if not very similar words in two different cultures, but referring to the same thing and the same concept is just so beautiful. So I really can't wait to see how this combination of different artists from different cultures and different walks of life manifests on the day. What are you hoping that people ultimately take away after watching Boomi? I know you mentioned a couple of times that it's not necessarily a typical type of performance, but what should people expect to see on the day in terms of the format and take away with them? I think really what people take away from Burmi is that they have a moment to 
have a reflection throughout this story, this creativity, this piece, you know, however they want to have their final definition of what Boomy was for them. I think that's more than enough that they were able to have a think about it and they were able to really be transcended in a way where this is what true collaboration of cultures that aren't so different from each other can really do and how they speak to each other and how they show respect to each other and how they eventually, at the end of the day, really manifest that care and that unconditional love and support for what we have for people because that's the best way we can have peace within each other. Mm. You know, it's being able to really sit and listen and just be taken in. You know, there's a way that we're doing these stories. There's a way that we want this whole performance or this whole narrative that we're inviting people to be a part of to run in a sense. But at the end of the day, it comes down to that. I think really be like, oh, cool. The difference between what I felt as being from two different worlds, as what people would see, are so much closer together than what we actually think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the most important message we can take away from this. Mm -hmm. Right. I think this thing we're doing, this narrative, that's a nice way to put it, is really about how we cohabit, mm. you know, on land respectfully and knowingly and with love and with interest. And I think it's important, even the location, you know, we picked a, a warehouse in the bush. It's not meant to create distance mm. between those that are sharing their arts and those that are listening to it. It's a, This is everyday ongoing life, mm. you know, living with people, sharing cultural forms, sharing traditions, sharing language, sharing stories. And it should be as ordinary as that. It's not a big deal. And it requires people to simply want it and to engage in it with open mm. hearts and open minds. It's very, it should be a very ordinary thing mm. because it's how we live with our neighbours. It's how we live with the first inhabitants of this land. It's how we live with each other as community. And I hope they go away thinking it's really easy, actually, mm. to create ways using arts. And we all have culture and art and we all have language and we all have ways of seeing the world. And I hope that they go away thinking that anyone can do this. Yeah, incredible. When and where is the show? And our other question was going to be, how can people get tickets? But we know that it's full now, which is fantastic. Yeah, so the show is on the 24th of June in the afternoon. It's in St. Ives in the north of Sydney. I would just say get on the wait list and we'll see what we can do with tickets. But the longer the wait list is, the more likely it is that we can put on a second show or a second event. So mm. uh, get yourselves and your friends on that wait list and we'll do our best to accommodate you this time or next time. Right, Tristan? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just get on the wait list and never know. Yeah. I'm sure we'll do another show. Awesome. We'll put the link to everything in our show notes as well for people to go through. I unfortunately have something on that day but I will put myself on the wait list because if it means that it can be restaged that would be amazing so the more people that can get on there the better but Indu and Tristan thank you so much for your time honestly we know there's so much passion behind what you've put together and it's not just a production like you said so we're really excited for you and very excited for this type of work to continue being created within the community and the cross collaboration we absolutely love it's so unique so thank you so much for jumping on and telling us all about it. 
Thank you so much, Sendin and Romy. So lovely to be on this podcast. It's been very lovely. Thank you for having me.